What's it feel like to get yelled at by Tom? When I was young, he used to get on me real hard. If I didn't do something exactly right, like he would like fully like, come on, Jules, let's go. Mm-hmm. Like hit, hit the high octave. Mm-hmm. But as I got older, he would yell at me and I would kind of like yell back. If, if this wasn't meant to be yelled at, I'm like, bro, you can't yell at me for this. I'm Chris Long, and this is American Prodigies, Becoming Great. On this podcast, we highlight the fascinating career journeys of current and former football players. Each episode, we take you on a trip through a player's life, and along the way, explore what it means to be great. Because greatness comes in all shapes and sizes, and every path is one of a kind. Today we're diving into the story of a man who played for one team his whole 11 season career. This former high school and college quarterback had to be adaptable. He contributed in all three phases of the game at the NFL level. He entered the league as a seventh round draft pick, but ended up as a three time Super Bowl winner and a Super Bowl MVP. He was arguably Tom Brady's most trusted teammate in New England. Of course, I'm talking about Julian Edelman. Like his buddy Tom, Jules hails from the Bay Area, Redwood City, California. He started playing football at age eight for the same reason many kids do, because his older brother was doing it. Young Julian was on the smaller side. As a freshman in high school, he stood four foot 11 and weighed under 100 pounds. He played tailback and DB. Sophomore year, he started playing quarterback and led the JV squad to the championship game. With seven seconds left in the 14-14 ball game, Jules was playing safety. He picked off a deep pass only to get stripped and have the opposing team score on the return. Oof, a learning experience for young Jules. Before junior year, he grew eight inches and added on 50 pounds. By the time he was a senior, he had transformed into the starting QB for the Wildcats. During that 2004 season, Julian led the team to a 13-0 record. When it came time to matriculate, Julian started off at the College of San Mateo, a JUCO. As a QB won for San Mateo, Jules lit it up, tossing the rock, running it, our boy was a dual threat. His 2,500 total yards and 31 total touchdowns earned him a transfer to Kent State. Julian was a three-year starter for the Golden Flashes. Over his three seasons in Kent, he threw for nearly 5,000 yards and ran for almost another 2,500. 52 total TDs. Edelman blitz, gets away from it. Julian Edelman turns absolutely nothing into a huge play. How about that? It looked like a 12-yard loss, perhaps, for Julian Edelman, and he gets the ball out across the 35-yard line. Jeff, there's almost nothing you can say. You don't coach that stuff. This is a guy with vision and the ability to stick his foot in the ground and change direction. He's got some strength. You look at his balance when he spins. Wow. That's what Julian Edelman brings to this Kent State offense. There were some interceptions in there, too, but we don't have to talk about those. Anyway, his senior year, Julian led the Golden Flashes in both passing and rushing yards. Despite not being invited to the combine, he caught the eye of Jim Nagy. At that time, he was a scout for the Patriots. Nowadays, he's the executive director of the Senior Bowl. Nagy didn't think Julian would be the right fit as a QB at the next level, but he had guts, quickness, 
and he loved having the ball in his hands. In meetings, Julian stated he was open to changing positions, so Jim tossed him on New England's draft board as a wide receiver. And when the seventh round of the 2009 draft came around, the Patriots made a fateful decision. They grabbed Julian with the 232nd pick. As a seventh round rookie, Julian had a long road ahead and a lot of shit to figure out. Yeah, you know, I never really had the roadmap. I was always focused on what was on my plate at that time. There were so many things I was having to deal with at that, you know, like being drafted to a team as a receiver when you have Randy Moss, Wes Welker, Greg Lewis, they just traded for Joey Galloway. Like you start trying to play roadmap game, play numbers games, you know, then you, you lose focus of, uh, you know, the task at hand of trying to just get better that day and, and compound good practices for coaches. So I can never really think ahead like that. Luckily, Jules got some wise words from his teammate, Fred Taylor. You remember Fred Taylor? Oh, yeah. East monster. Oh, yeah. Well, my rookie year, he was in New England. And I was, you know, when you're in a rookie, you're sitting there and you're all over the place mentally, like new kid, new I don't know. You may not have been in the same situation. You were the second pick. Yeah. Draft, but, you know, but, you, know you tra- different expectations, different expectations. Exactly. And you said something earlier that, that struck me was like, you never had the roadmap. I had yeah. a big roadmap, a lot of pressure. You were like, fuck it. Let's live today, which is a great way to be too. You yeah. don't have the security I have, but they're very different. Like coming to league lives. You know what now, I mean? Back to Freddie T. I was sitting there as a little rookie. Like I get up early and I'd, go to the hotel you remember the hotel we stayed at over in foxborough yeah i do <laughs> by like the piccolo Pete's. barely uh, i would sit outside and before the bus and freddie t came out and i would ride with him every once in a while and he goes hey young buck i can see you're stressed out like, you know freddie t's like calm cool collect dude he's just like a, a real cool like uncle that is always got like the best advice you ever needed he looks at me and he goes you know, there's going to be a lot of highs and a lot of lows. You just got to stay even keel, young buck. Yeah. That's you know? <laughs> true. And that's the thing we talked about in, in, the, in the ride. <laughs> it was nuts. Yeah. But I, I remember thinking about that the whole time. Like, there's going to be a bunch of highs, which you're so correct on. In football, I mean, the highs are high and the lows are super low. But I was at a place, as you know, like, you didn't really have time to think of, like, the successes you had or yeah. the failures because you were moving on next week. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I kind of adapted to that. Maybe it was Fred's advice. Maybe it was fate. But in the first preseason game, Julian returned to punt 75 yards to the house. And this punt is a little better. Edelman moves to his right, takes it at the 25, runs along the near sideline, breaks a tackle up about the 40. He's at the 50. Cuts back at the 40. 30. 20. 10. Touchdown for the rookie, Julian Edelman. That's huge for a seventh-round rookie trying to make the 53. Obviously, Julian ended up making the squad, and by week two of his rookie year, he was already making an impact. Brady throwing, and that one is complete to Edelman, the rookie. Brady outside. That one is complete to Edelman, and Edelman breaks free. And out of bounds inside the Jet 35-yard line. Brady with time over the middle. Edelman complete inside the 20, inside the 15-yard line. Eight receptions for 98 yards, not bad for his first start. The Pats lost the game, but Julian was the silver lining. He spent the rest of the year seeing scattered time on the field and battling injuries, but at least he showed he could play. In Julian's second year, in 2010, he saw less playing time. However, there were still bright spots. By averaging over 15 yards per punt return, he set a franchise record. 
He also ran back the longest return in Pat's history. Edelman back deep. Treats. From the six. Crosses one man. Still on his feet. He's loose. Julian Edelman. Will they catch him? No. Touchdown, New England. 94 yards. In 2011, Jules was still struggling to get on the field as a receiver. They were using him every other way imaginable, returning kicks and even playing DB a bit. In fact, he got himself a forced fumble while playing corner in the AFC Championship game. Fumbles out of bounds. It was Edelman who stripped it. 2012 was a mixed bag as well. He was still killing it in the return game, but he wasn't seeing much action on the offense as he probably wanted. And an injury ended his season early. 2013 saw Wes Welker leave for the Broncos. There was a void. Julian's rookie contract expired, and the Pats gave him a one-year prove-it deal. Luckily, he proved it. Brady has a man open. It is caught by Edelman and out of bounds inside the 20-yard line. Brady stepping away, buying time, deep over the middle, and that's Edelman making the catch. Julian Edelman to the 16-yard line. Brady will throw it, and Edelman is there and pulls it in for the touchdown. One hundred five receptions, over a thousand receiving yards, six touchdowns. This was the breakout year Jules was waiting for, and he finally started to earn his quarterback's trust. What about your quarterback, Tom, who's like one of your best friends? Was there ever a time where momentarily the trust like dipped below where the friendship was on the field, and you had to earn it back? I would say early when I started playing a lot, like in in thirteen or like twelve. Yeah. 2012 and those those years like when I was trying to crack the lineup yeah that was like a huge thing where like if if I didn't do something right he wasn't gonna look at me for two weeks you know what I mean like then it was just going straight you know Welker all day or 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 anything like I every play that I had that was designed to go to me I had to execute to an exact T or like you said the trust is gone and that and that and that's how he is and, uh, you know, at least when he was in New England, it was very hard to earn that. And he, you had, he had to see it consistently through practice for him to actually feel that and, and be comfortable with giving you a little hint of trust, not even like the full trust. But then as it went on to our career later in my career, it was more of, you know, we, we had such a routine on and off the field uh, in the off season and, and learning each other where, I think that trust was, you know, it was building even bigger and bigger through practices and, and compounding just through the years. So like I, that's how, that's that, that was our relationship. What were his biggest pet peeves? If you could share any, uh, his biggest pet peeve was if you didn't like, if you didn't come flat to downhill, like on outbreaking routes. Yeah. Or, or in cuts, like if you didn't go flat to downhill, if guys rounded it and get got undercut, like, and that was something that I was, that was always my, as a quarterback, I remember that, you know, throwing to guys that if a guy didn't come flat to downhill, he's not protecting the throw. So I would come down on even an out route. I'd come down even like 45 degrees and it almost looked like a comeback, but that's what he wanted because it made him feel safe to throw the ball. You know what I mean? It was those types of things that, uh, that he, 
he would get really mad about or stacking or stacking a guy on a, on an outbreaking or a seam or like yeah. a seam or a, a nine route, you know, that, that stacking, getting, giving him room, not getting pushed out of the side. You know, he hated that. He would always get so mad and he'd always want you to get into your route, like get into your route. Yeah. Like don't, don't kill the ants at the line of scrimmage. Let's get into our route. I mean, the release game. Yeah. 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 Well, let's get into the route and, and look when you're open. That was always a huge thing. You know, there's a whole, there's a whole lot of things. What's it feel like to get yelled at by Tom? He's never yelled at me. I mean, I feel like he knows that like Chris is the defensive player and quite personally, it's not that important. Like I got to yell at Jules. Yeah. What What's that you know, feel like? He used to get on me like, like an older brother, but I like, I was the kind of guy that he could get on, you know, cause it was tough for him. He, when I was young, he used to get on me real hard because we had a connection with the Bay area. We have the same representation with agents with the Indubin sports, you know? So like we had like kind of a, a little thing, but like, I wasn't like a stud yet. So like, if I didn't do something exactly right, like he would like fully like, come on, Jules, let's go. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? Like hit, hit the high octave. Mm-hmm. But you know, as I got older, he would yell at me and I would kind of like yell back if I, if it was like, not like prohibited. Like if, if, oh. if, wasn't, if, if this wasn't meant to be yelled at, I'm like, bro, you can't yell at me for this. Like, but he used to like to yell at me because I think he couldn't yell at other guys because they would tank if they did. Right. You know what I mean? He's so he's like, these guys have been watching him since they were like two years old. I was watching him since I was like 13. You know what I mean? Like, they would fully like tank and quit or get their feelings hurt. If a guy like Tom Brady gets on you and just starts yelling at you, have, so like have, have, good with who he could yell at and who he couldn't yell at. Have you ever gotten a sorry about earlier bubs? No, nah, but he used, to, <laughs> he used to give me the, you know, he, I, he'd get on me hard when I was young. <laughs> I remember he goes, you know, if, if I yell at you, you know, I love you. And I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> He'd be like, uh, then I'd be like, you must, you must really love me then. It's so true though. Cause I used to sit next to him before they broke, they, they, they separated us after like a few years because you know, like they can't have too good of friends. In yeah. Class. Dicking off in the front <laughs> row, dude. So they, 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 it's like the classroom in eighth grade. We <laughs> sit next to your boy and put us <laughs> in the ends. But, uh, I would sit there and I'd be all like beat down like a little puppy, like terrified. Like I'm going to get cut and stuff like my first or second year. He would sit next to me. He goes, you know, if I, if I, if I help you, buddy, that means I love you. <laughs> so I tell my son too, even Tom Brady has a lighter side though. I mean, he's just, he's a fun guy to be around. He could chug a beer. The guy can chug a beer fast, pretty fast. I'm, I'm telling you. I've heard this actually. Very fast. We had a, we had a, cause I could chug a beer pretty decent too. And we had a showdown over in uh, Rochester, New York, when we got we got snowed in one time after clinching 2009 AFC East Championship. We got snowed in. We couldn't stay in Buffalo, so they bust us to Rochester. And we had to we went to Rochester. We went to this <laughs> dinosaur barbecue, like with the whole team. <laughs> and we started drinking beers and stuff, and like we chugged, and and he got me fair and square. So. Ooh. After 2013, the Pats signed Julian to a four-year deal. 2014 brought more success. Despite playing in two fewer games than the previous year, Julian still put up over 90 catches 
and almost a thousand receiving yards. He returned his fourth career punt for a touchdown, setting a new Pats record. 11 games through the season, the Patriots had only lost twice. And after a rough loss to the Packers, the team had an opportunity to bond and became an even tighter unit. In 14, when we went on our run, we, we lost to the Packers and then we flew directly to San Diego. We had to go, we had to San Diego the next week and we stayed out there for a week. It's kind of like that bro time that, like you said, you don't get that as much because you got married men, you got your yeah. single men, you got your, you know, your, your religious guys, you got your guys that are trying to make the team and there's different cliques and they're never really together. You get the most togetherness is when like the night before the game, when everyone's eating wings or everyone's eating, you know, burgers. Food in front of the burgers or whatever, you know, everyone's eating. We're all sitting watching college football before meetings. So you get like an extended per- version of that. And, it, and that's, that's where we molded our team that year. I remember specifically in those like practice trips where you go to another team and, and, and have those uh, joint practices. Those were always fun to me because that's when you got to hang out with the guys the most, you know, and you hang out with guys that you don't necessarily hang out with. When the playoffs came around, that's when Julian and the team really shined. In the divisional game against the Ravens, Jules's old quarterback skills came into play. Edelman takes the swing pass. Edelman's going to throw. Deep downfield, wide open. Amendola, touchdown. It was the longest touchdown thrown by a non-quarterback in playoff history. The championship game recorded nine receptions for 98 yards. And in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks, you might remember that one for its very mundane ending. Julian had 109 receiving yards and caught the go-ahead touchdown. Brady. The New England Patriots are the NFL champions. The Pats won 28-24, and Jules had earned his first Super Bowl win. We've heard Jules talk a bit about his QB. Now seems as good a time as ever to hear him talk about his coach, Bill Belichick. If Bill gave you like a compliment or a, a pat on the butt, like during the week, it made your week. Oh man, you, you get like, you feel I get, tingly. I feel tingly, Bill. Thank you. I know. <laughs> you get giddy. You get giddy like a little kid. I do that to like my last year. Yeah. I'm 12 years at this place. I've spent 12 years with this guy. You know what he, when you joke around, you key key with them. Yeah. You know, yo, shit, that made my day. Oh <laughs> yeah. 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 And then you're like, I better not fuck up in practice because he's going to think I was just being a dickhead in the hallway. Exactly. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you and, mean. Uh, and damn, you know, like when I got there late in my career, I was like, I'm kind of a, I like to have fun. And I, I was afraid to even joke with him sometimes, but I couldn't help it. He's so fucking funny to me. He, he, he's, well, you got to, you got there where you could laugh. Like, you know, when you when you're a young guy that's farmed there, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of things that you would want to laugh at, but you'd have to look around the room and see who was laughing to see if you could laugh. You know, like if if like Steve Neal was laughing, he's been there for eight years. I can't laugh yet, but if I saw like uh, you know Kevin O'Connell, the, the second year guy laughing, all right, maybe I could laugh a little. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's the meanest thing he's ever said to you? Because the one thing I always say to people is like. It's very effective, the tactic of having everybody meet in the big room on Monday. You oh. know what I'm talking about? Like, you, well, you don't because you, you didn't play for any teams that did it the other way. You know, it's like you come in, you lose. The head coach says, we'll get them next week, break down to offense and defense. Not in New England. Everybody, including Tom Brady, including Dante Hightower, including yourself, 
Bill, right down to Ted and the strength coach. They're all in there just staring at the film. Scouts. We have, we have, we have regional scouts in there. You know, sometimes you have a coaching staff from another team. You, you know, like, NFL legends coming back. Yeah. They're bringing alumni in to just watch you shit Kobe, the bed on. You know, when Co- I mean, I remember Kobe coming in there one time. Oh, to watch film? Yeah, he came into a practice or like into like the the, the team meeting. Oh, you know, like, God. Like, you're like, please don't put the bad cut up up. Oh, my God. Bill Tube? Low lights? Yeah. <laughs> what was the worst low light session for you of all time? Uh, when I used to like fight in practice or something, like me and Gilmore, I got in a fight with Gilmore. And like he puts it on and he'll just sit and rewind it like 40, <laughs> like 45 times with silence, silence, silence. And then when he stands up, there's like a little guy, there's a guy that his job is to go run and turn the lights on. So it's like majestically turning off. You oh know my God, like, dude. And then when he sits down, the guy goes and turns it off. You know what I mean? They so light he, from the uh, bottom up. It's like perfect. Yes, like, yes. yes. So he sits and rewinds it like 45 times. And then he goes and he stands up and he goes, like, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> we, I mean, we, we can't have this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just going on and just ringing me like, you know what, Edelman, you, you over here think you're, you're, you're a tough guy, you know, just, just getting on me in front of the team and like really, but I think low key, he loved it. He did love it. I think he was yeah, entertained yeah. by it. I think he was entertained by God forbid anybody ever got caught sleeping in the meeting he'd see like one of the rookies like nodding off and everybody I feel like I wanted to save those kids so bad I would drink so much coffee I lived right behind the stadium so I could never be late and I drank five cups of coffee a day I hate hate caffeine I was afraid see I I was there for so long I I used to sit back and I I dream I, I was like it was entertainment by the time I was older I would sit and watch and like oh he's gone and then Bill would go get, you know what I mean? It's it just, you know, but it's, it's really something to be said when, you know, a coach, I don't know how it is, like you said, in other places, but this guy every day for 45 to 50 minutes, every day would break down three phases of the game. And he could call each oh, phase of the game. Like it was like, he was a coordinator and he's called plays for each phase of the game. So like, I didn't really realize that until like I heard guys like you come in and say like, this is crazy that you guys meet every morning this long. And he's putting on a 60 play cut up that we all have to watch. Like I didn't realize that. It's that was accountability like, though. Yeah. It's the accountability because, because like if, if I mess up in the defense, like if I mess up on a side adjustment and you know, if the defense is like paying attention, cause sometimes guys are just over doodling and shit, but mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> If they're paying attention, then like it, you get embarrassed because you want them to feel like, you know what I mean? So like you said, it's that accountability that he always holds to everyone. And everybody's afraid the same way. And, yeah. and you feel so stupid when you mess up, but everybody in the room knows, I'll say this about New England, man. Some of the best, most like accountable teammates, some great leaders, like the guys in that locker room, like you, you know, I'll, I'll never like, blow the organization i really respect the organization i'm never gonna like be that guy but but the locker room was amazing man and and i don't think anybody was trying to screw up ever you know but when you screw up uh you're gonna get fried in the big room and it made me feel better to realize that probably when i screwed up everybody felt just glad it wasn't them 
You know what I mean? That was the prevailing emotion in the room. It wasn't like, fuck you, Chris. I was never watching you. Like after that Pittsburgh game, I guess you dropped a punt and I was like, oh my God, he's yelling at Julian. Oh, you remember that? Oh yeah. I was like, oh my God, he's yelling at like one it of the best players. So many times. I don't even remember that. Cause, cause you're calloused. But I just was like, I feel bad for him. Not mad at him. How could I be mad at Julian? He's trying his best, but it is that fear and accountability of, is it going to be me? The season after his first Super Bowl win, that's 2015 if you're counting at home, started off strong for Julian. He caught 22 passes over the first two games. By nine games in, he was on pace to tally 1,200 receiving yards, but he injured his foot and got surgery. He was out the rest of the regular season. Miraculously, Julian came back for the playoffs and helped the Pats get to their fifth straight AFC Championship game, but they lost to the Broncos. Now on to 2016. That was a really special year, I'm sure, for Jules because I joined the Patriots. But 2016 was also a resurgence after the disappointments of the previous year for New England and for Julian, though it started off with some immediate challenges. 16, I mean, that was a that was the year that Tom was suspended and, you know, we had to start off, you know, those four games without him. We went three and one and then like kind of, you know, we had to grease the, the machine and then he came in and we started getting it going. And I don't know, that was a crazy year, man. Like it, it just it, like, I don't think we were supposed to do that. Were we? I don't think so either, honestly, especially like when you get there. And from my perspective as a free agent, you're like, you're hedging like you're pushing all your poker chips to the table to like try to win just one year and you get there and Tom Brady gets suspended and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. But that's almost like now in hindsight, like he, we need some adversity, like after every kind of like gate or something, we yeah. had to go in the Super Bowl. So like we need something. When all was said and done, we only lost twice the whole season and Jules was a major contributor to that. The second half of the season was where things really picked up for Jules. Over the final eight weeks, he averaged over 93 yards a game. In the final matchup of the regular season, he scored on a career-long 77-yard reception on his way to 151 total receiving yards. Third and seven for New England. Brady gets rid of it quickly. Catch! Julian Edelman! Off to the races! Julian Edelman! Goodbye, Edelman! Touchdown, New England! Once it was playoff time, Julian put up 137 receiving yards in the win over Houston, and then 118 yards in the victory against Pittsburgh. Then it was time for the Super Bowl. Yes, that Super Bowl. What took y'all so long? What took us so long? I don't want to say y'all, the offense. I'm saying y'all were sputtering. We were getting gashed. I know what was happening on our side of the ball. What was happening on y'all's side of the ball? Well, I remember going into that game, what Bill say to at least to the offense, he said, we needed to score touchdowns when we get in the red area and we need to convert third downs and we cannot turn the ball over that right. first drive. Remember LeGarrette, we were going into the red area and we fumbled. <sighs> so like we were actually kind of driving. Yeah. You know, we were in that fringe, like, like that 40 to 35 range. I don't remember like specifically, but then we ended up fumbling. The next time, you know, we're sitting there now we, we're kind of clinched a little bit here. Little little butthole punker. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so then I think we went the three and out. We didn't we had a manageable third down. We didn't do that. And then the next one we do a pick six or something. So like and we were in the red area, we were driving the ball. We just didn't we weren't executing, bro. Like that it's it, that's what it is. It's simple. Yeah. You know, it's it's lack of execution. And then 
you know, we went in the uh, halftime and all of a sudden, you know, we had a good, com- you know, we were all pretty composed for the most part. See, I mean, here's it- the funny part. And I always bring you up uh, is I'm like, Jules was like gung ho. We're going to win this game. And I'm from a losing culture. And I'm like, <laughs> 28, whatever we were down. I was like, y'all going to win this game? What? Can we just get a fucking stop, Duran? Like, Duran's like, this is going to be the greatest comeback of all time. And it wasn't until recently I saw you on an interview. It might have been part of my take or something. And you were like, I didn't know what the fuck to think. And I was like, oh, he really didn't believe it either. He was just like me. Nah, nah, <laughs> nah. Nah, it, I mean, I, the oh. thing is, been, I wish you could see him. I've been in games. I've been in games where we've been behind a lot and we came back, bro. I don't care oh. who's football. The Super Bowl is always close. Man. Well, Regardless. I wouldn't know. I'm, little old me, I wouldn't know. Little I'm old me just, gets the Super Bowl. I'm like, this is what it's like. It feels more like I got assaulted, dude. Bro, those guys, those guys have never been in a Super Bowl. Like, I was a little nervous. They blew I was their nervous. load. They blew their load. I was a little nervous, but like, <laughs> yo, like we, if we would have like did well on those, we would have been fine because the defense really only gave up what. Uh, seven points. We we gave up the other two, really, in the grand scheme of things. So you should have seen me and Ninko coming out because you know we're both kind of negative. Oh, kind of. <laughs> oh, we yeah. It's like Step Brothers, what you used to call us, but yeah, we were sitting on the bench, like just looking at each other, just <laughs> staring at each other. But Ninko kept telling me before the game, I would have these long conversations. I was anxious about like not the game, like I don't give a fuck about football. I'm gonna go out there and play but just the ramifications of the game in my life. And Ninko was like, let me tell you something, man. It's the best feeling in the world to win a Super Bowl. It's as good as like X, Y, Z. But there is no worse feeling in the world than losing a Super Bowl. You would rather go 0-16. And I can remember when he said that, I just like froze, dude. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. And all he had to do was look at me at halftime. And the look said it all. Remember what I said, motherfucker? (laughs) I was just, oh. It was so bad, and we didn't know really. I don't feel like the tide turned until almost the fourth quarter when High forced the fumble. We were still out of it. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, that's when I felt the shift in momentum. We scored, and then High stripped one, and then then we were still down what sixteen points. It was a time. lot still. You look back and you're like, "Damn, it still wasn't." But you could see when they panned to the sideline on like NFL Films and looked at like you or Tom. Your halftime, let's go, guys, turned into a, we're fucking in this. Like, you know, the, the, it was like you guys lit up on the sideline and we're like, okay, we're definitely in range now. It was that play that High made. Without a doubt. I mean, when the stars started aligning, that's, and then what, uh, the Trey had the sack after Trey that. Trey had the sack. Yep. And yep. then the off, or then the holding call, yep. you know, and all these, these things started happening. Once we tied it up, I knew we were winning. If we got the ball at at uh, overtime, it was over because like we were on that that wavelength. That by that time, where we had just climbed Mount Everest to get back into this game, and by no means are we letting this thing get out of our hands now because of what we did. And all the Super Bowls I've played, they ne- there's never like a comfortability or there's never like a a flow to the game it's because of you know the long timeouts the 15 extra minute halftime the two additional timeouts each half like or tv commercials there's no real flow to the game 
So like the team that can find their flow usually is the team that goes out and, and has the most success. And we didn't have really necessarily any flow in that first half, but in the second half, you know, guys were just starting to try to win each play, at least on offense. That's what I could say. We were trying to win one play at a time. Like we knew a 60 yard touchdown is not going to bring us in this game. We were, we were still down three scores. Right. You know what I mean? So once we got everyone and their mindset in that kind of mode, that's when we were like starting to, you know, dink and dunk and, all right, let's pick this up. All right, now we got, you know, and that's when they started going. Well, you guys always had a scrappy offense, even before, like, you know, I got to see that high-powered offense, really, though. But still, there's always an element of we're scratching, we're clawing, we have to sustain drives. As Jules and I talked about, the Pats offense had trouble getting going in the first half against the Falcons. But Julian did the best he could to put them in a position to succeed. Early in the second quarter, Jules caught a 27-yard pass to get down to the Falcons' 33, but the drive ended after a fumble the next play. Then early in the third, he had a great 26-yard punt return to get the ball near midfield, but the offense couldn't get a first down. More than anything, he had that absolutely insane catch that bounced off Robert Alford's shoe, one of the most iconic moments of one of the most iconic Super Bowls in history. Danzen throws down low for Edelman, ball tipped, and Julian diving for it. As Olford cut in front of the receiver, Edelman has it. Did he make the catch? He, he did! You gotta be At the 40. He also snagged a 15-yard catch in OT that helped seal the deal. I mean, there's not much left to be said about that game. 28-3, all that. It's been discussed over and over again. I'm sorry if you live in Atlanta. What I'm saying is this. Julian was a big factor, catching five balls for 87 yards and returning three punts for 40 yards. And now, he was a two-time world champ. 34-28, the final in overtime, and the Patriots have redefined the word momentum here tonight. But the highest high, of course, had to be followed by the lowest low. Jules tore his ACL in the preseason of the very next year and missed all of 2017. The Pats made it back to the Super Bowl, but, well, I think you know what went down. And they're going to snap it, and it's Trey Burton who throws caught. Foles, touchdown. How do you figure? Just like 2016, 2018 started off with a suspension for the Patriots. In 2016, it was Tom. Now in 2018, it was Julian's turn, getting suspended four games for failing a PED test. But he came back extra motivated. In 12 games, he totaled 74 receptions for 850 receiving yards and six touchdowns. The Pats got the two seed, and it was yet again time for playoff Julian to take the spotlight. Pass down the middle, caught, Edelman holds on. Takes the hits and holds on for the big gain of 20. Brady fires, complete, Edelman, what a catch. Against the Chargers, nine receptions for 151 yards. In the AFC Championship against the Chiefs, seven receptions for 96 yards. Jules was dominant. In the Super Bowl against the Rams, Julian again stepped up. In a game dominated by defense, he snagged 10 passes on 12 targets for 141 yards. It's protected. That leaves Edelman open. And shoved out by Talib. Third catch for Edelman here in the opening quarter. They've got to double Edelman. When he motions, somebody has to help. Peters is on him. Here's the pass. He got away from him. And Edelman slips through a tackle. All the way across the 40. And now he's got a 27-yard play, the longest of the game on either side. 
The Patriots had pulled it off again. Jules' performance was good enough to earn him a Super Bowl MVP to go along with his third ring. He was the first receiver to earn the award in 10 years. Yeah, you said you never had a little brother, but if you had yeah. one, it'd be Julian Edelman. Guess what? He's the MVP. He deserves it. That was one of the best games he ever played. When 2019 rolled around, Jules had one last hurrah in him. He followed up his Super Bowl MVP season with 100 catches, 1,100 yards, and six TDs. He also threw a touchdown. Over to Edelman. He's loading up to throw it. He's going to the end zone, and it's a touchdown. Edelman with the touchdown pass to Philip Dorsett. The Patriots lost to the Titans in the wild card, but 2019 had been a great showing for Julian on an individual level. It was also the end of an era. Before 2020 started up, Tom Brady left for Tampa, a huge shakeup for the franchise and for the friendship. Jules' new quarterback was Cam Newton. Here he is talking about Cam. Can one guy that you played with in the last year, like was revolutionary in a lot of ways, like so unique. There's never been a guy like him before. And I don't know if you can duplicate him, so I don't know if he's actually changing the position. He's Cam Newton. I mean, just to have a guy who can do the things when he's not throwing the ball well later in his career, a year like last year, he's had some struggles, maybe physically, that sort of thing. He still helped draw in so many ways, and he was still like a heartbeat of your team in so many ways. You could see the guys gravitating towards him. I learned a lot about him watching him play in New England. Did you learn anything new about Cam Newton? What did you learn about the guy that you watched for all those years? I definitely learned a lot playing with Cam. I mean, everyone's got a you know, premeditated, like look on certain things and certain, you know, looking outside in on a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of things, a lot of everything, you know, and then getting to know Cam and, and seeing how Cam worked and getting to vibe with Cam, you know, Cam is Cam, bro. That That's just him. Like people like front on him, like, yo, you need to stop this. You need to stop that. Like that is literally just Cam's just a fun dude that works his ass off that likes to play football had a lot of success and he's just grinding away. He's swagged out. That's what Cam does. You know what I mean? And I learned that firsthand. Like I'm like a hard dick, you know, in, in the locker room mm. and, and to have a, <laughs> a hard ass, a hard ass. <laughs> Damn dude. That was hard. That was, that was it. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> I have, I have multiple like different types, you know, like, Yo, I'm a serious guy. I like to joke around here and up, but like having Cam and having a, seeing a different way to do and approach the game was was very was very cool and interesting, and and I enjoyed it. You know, he works his tail off. He gets in there super early, leaves super late. I mean, he lives, breathes, and dies ball, man. And and that's what you want to see from that position. And regardless of you know the outcomes of games you knew you were going to get, you know, the best out of him. And you were going to, you know, he, he, he was working hard to get to where he wanted to go. 2020 brought some highlights, like a career-high 179 receiving yard game in week two, but Julian was plagued by injuries. After six games, his season was over. And after failing a physical the next offseason, Julian retired. What's next? Well, I'm doing Inside the NFL yep. on the time, which... Uh, I'm excited for that. That'll be fun to 
be on that historic show yeah. on a platform that I've been watching my whole life. And then I also partnered up with Viacom, CBS, and Paramount for a, a studio deal for my production company. So we got something in developments right now, which I'm really excited about. Uh, you know, just kind of creating content. It, it all went from like creating these little YouTube videos and and then going into Instagram and this stuff. And now this is a new platform and a longer platform for us to create our content. And, you know, it's fun, you know, when you start doing those types of things and you, you go from the very beginning and you shoot all this content and then you get in the, you know, the editing room and you, you bring it down and you break it down. And at first you think this thing's going to be terrible. I don't know why we did this, that, and then you, you know, you shape it, you mold it, and then you see the finished product and, it, and how, you guys changed it. I mean, it, I, I, it gives me a high. So, you know, it's fun and it's something that I've always liked doing and you know, we're going to see where this takes me. It's kind of cool though, the retirement part of like, you die without actually dying. Everybody says all the nice shit about you that if you got hit by a truck, they would say, but they say it like right in front of you. And that's a cool thing, dude. Not a lot of people get to do that. How did you feel about the outpouring, man? Was there anything unexpected, like an unexpected like message you got from an opponent, somebody that you respected or something like that? No, nah, I mean, a lot of it went to a lot of BS, you know, instantly like mm -hmm. all the hall talk and stuff. So like, there's a lot of hate on that. And you know, you had, like, I had some cool dudes reach out and I'll leave it between that. I'm not going to name drop, but you know what I mean? Like it was cool to have that and to see the team and, and, and hear what like, you know, what coach said and what Mr. Kraft said, RKK and, and, uh, you know, being part of one organization my whole career. And you know how it is there. You, you don't necessarily get the compliments and like no, yeah. and that and, and to hear, you know, Bill say what he said at, at that level. Yeah. Well, Julian's been, uh, you know, one of the, one of the players that's probably come you know come further than most every other player that i've coached and uh you know his development from a, a quarterback in college to uh, a receiver a punt returner and even a defensive player all things that he positions that he never played um and certainly to excel as a punt returner as a receiver uh for a number of years at, at those very difficult positions is quite an accomplishment uh, especially considering the fact that he he didn't do those things um, or wasn't trained to do them in uh, in college, um, so um, you know his toughness, his competitiveness, his uh, um, playmaking ability um, certainly is a it's a big big part of the backbone of our of our team. And uh, you know I have a ton of respect for Julian, what he accomplished in his career, how hard he worked to accomplish it, and. Uh, you know, great appreciation for all he's done for uh, for me personally and our organization. So in 2016, before the parade, I found a ceramic mask making company online and it was going to cost a few hundred dollars to get a mask made of Julian Edelman's face. But I wanted to wear it at the parade and I did and I lost the mask. So if anybody in New England has my Julian Edelman mask, please return it. Why did I want to spend a day as Julian Edelman? Because who's got it better than Julian Edelman? He catches the ball from Tom Brady. Women love him. He's, he's a hero in a major metropolitan city. And, uh, and he shows up big when it's playoff time. What is not to like about Julian Edelman? 
Imagine being that guy. Once again, I'm Chris Long, and this is American Prodigies, Becoming Great. This is our last episode of the series. Just wanted to say it's been really fun diving a little deeper into these stories and getting to share them with y'all. I've learned some new fun facts along the way, and I hope you did too. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. If you've had a good time, please leave us a review and let us know. And for the final time, thanks so much for listening.